And of course, all those people that ring today, Jane, goes in the draw for this wonderful gift that I will be giving away right at the end of the program. Now, that consists of, first of all, a plant, which is a Ceanothus. Now, I haven't had this in here before. It's, uh, it's called Ceanothus. It is a native. It's called Blue Pacific, and it's a beautiful dark green foliage, and then it comes out in masses of these little blue flowers that just uh, are just great for the early late winter, early spring period. So that's really, really great. Likes a nice sunny spot in the garden, grows up to a height of around about two metres in height, but the leaf is really, really dark and very, very glossy. So even without the flower, it's a really pretty little plant. Would, it, only... would it smell nice, the leaves, if I don't you think it them? does. No, I don't. No, it doesn't smell at all. It looks like it smells, doesn't it? Because it's so nice and green. It looks a little bit like a herb of some description, but um, but no, it's just a shrub. So not only that, I'm giving away a container of the Eco Garden. Now, remembering this is the tonic spray. We spray onto things throughout the winter months that keeps things nice and healthy, and that hopefully keeps away all those pests and diseases. As well as that, there's a packet of the Quick Start. Now, this is the garden fertiliser or lawn fertiliser that we can throw around right through the winter months once again. Remember, we don't have to stop uh, feeding throughout the winter months. We can continue all the way through the year. So, And as well as that, I've got a couple of sachets of other things in that bag as well. So there's plenty to ring up for, especially yeah. if you've got yes. a question that you would like to put to David. And in fact, we do have Max who has rung in from Barnsley. Max, you've got a question for David. Yes, hello. Hello, Max. Uh, double... Camellia, beautiful yes. plant. It's uh, came, it comes in the bud, it half opens out, and then drops off. Yeah. Not a bit of carpet of pink underneath the trees, <laughs> underneath the shrub itself. Yeah, unfortunately, okay. this this is a common problem with the Japonica camellias, and that's the larger flowering camellias that we get flowering during the winter months. It does because we've also had so much rain; it has caused the problem really bad this year. It is a fungal disease, Max. So basically, what you need to do in preparation for next year is, whilst the buds are actually forming on the camellia, you've got to spray them with a fungicide. This actually prevents the fungal disease from getting into the bud and causing that rotting. Unfortunately, there's nothing you can do about it now you've just got right. to you know persevere with that right, right, right. so really this is just a preparation for next year so as i said whilst the buds are producing give a spray of mancozem and try and do that once every few weeks to keep that fungal disease at bay and that should prevent that from happening for the following years thank you for that david you're welcome I'm, max uh, i'm pretty big on the mancozem but i Good. haven't put a heck of a lot on the camellia. i usually uh, I have a lot of azaleas. I mm. do them for petal. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. It'll, it'll just have to stretch to the camellias. Even though they're a nice hardy thing, they still probably need a little bit of protection to get up, up into flowering period. Good. Thanks. Thanks, Max. Thanks for your call, Max. And uh, Larry joins us now. He's from Gateshead. Hello, Larry. How do you do? Um, I've just got a question. Um, irises. Yes. I've been given all these pots from my next-door neighbour, and they've all got plants in them and that. Uh, but the iris is uh, uh, really clustered. Mm -hmm. Do they like being clustered? Together? They yeah. certainly do, and I'm glad you didn't say that you've already split those up no, because, no, no, no. <laughs> because the more clustered they are, the better that they often flower. And this is why you often see gardens of irises all cluttered together because that's when they function really well. So they're more like a... Um, a, a, a what do they call them? Oh, <coughs> Orchids? Oh, I forgot the word. Orchids are another thing that oh, love... Yeah, yeah, they love to be really, really compacted in, in an area, and that's uh, why even if you're thinking of planting them out, put a lot into just a small area and they will function really well. And what should I feed them now? Uh, Osmocote or um, Thrive or something like that? Yeah, look, certainly you can use the Osmocote. That's going to be something that's a permanent fertiliser, so it'll gradually burst or release over a period of months, depending on the one that you've got. And then, of course, still continue to use the Thrive because that just gives them that little bit of extra boost that also promotes them into flower for you as well. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Larry. You're listening to Gardening Talkback. 49216216 is the number for you to ring to get your question through to David. And Diane from Jules has done that now. Hello, Diane. 
Oh, good morning. How are you? Good. That's good. Uh, my question is, uh, I have a stormwater drain that runs parallel to my back fence. It comes out about a metre. And there's been a gum tree planted over that stormwater drain that's now crushed the drain. Mm -hmm. And so that's got to come out. What I'm asking is, what can I plant along the length of that pipe now? Just as a, what, what are you trying to achieve? A, a windbreak or a... No. No, well, I've got a couple of camellias in there at the moment. I love camellias mm -hmm. and uh, gardenias. Good. The fellow that's going to take the tree out said that the camellias can also grow quite big and could crush the pipe no. as well. I disagree with that because okay. with camellias, they only have a very, very smallish root system. They're not known to cause any problems okay. like that. Certainly, I mean, when you've got a gum tree of such that's going to reach sometimes 30 and 40 feet, mm -hmm. it's going to have a considerable amount of root system. Mm -hmm. But the, the azaleas and camellias, rhododendron, gardenias, all of those sorts of things, you shouldn't have any problem whatsoever. Oh, that's great. That's answered my question. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And we have our next caller on the line, 49216216. And can I ask your name, please? Hello. Oh, are you waiting for me? Yes. I am indeed. Yes. Sorry, I, I was told I was third. It's Carol. Hello, Carol. What can I do for you? Oh, look, you... Some months ago, I asked you about my uh, what to do about my non-flowering wisteria. Yes, you told me to put. Um, I think it was potash. That's on right. The, yes. That was that it. I was just reading it. Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Look, that's certainly a, a great time of the year to be doing that because with wisterias, of course, they're in their dormant stage at the moment, and now is the time when they're going to really start producing their buds, ready for spring flowering. So you need to get all of those things down into the soil to try and help promote the flowers for spring. Remembering also to Carol, not, don't touch it during winter. Don't even consider pruning it because you will prune the actual wood off that it's going to flower on. So you leave all your pruning of wisteria until after it's finished flowering. Yes, uh, it never has. I've got two of them. They've never flowered. But uh, yes, you told me that. So <laughs> I'm saying that for all those other listeners out there that are getting itchy feet about wanting to prune their wisterias back. So, But of course, if you do that, yes, you will not get any flowers for the springtime. Now, how often should I do the potash? Potash, I mean, if you're just adding it as a granular thing, you only need to do it once a season. There is also a liquid potash, which you can get in just a form where you can dilute it down and water it on. Now, you can still use that as well as in conjunction with the granulated one. What you will do, you can put the granulated one on at this time of the year. And then as we get closer to spring, I would suggest that you use the liquid one every couple of weeks, and that will help promote the flowers or buds even more for you. Oh, great. All okay. right. Good luck for this year, Carol. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks, Carol. And Tim joins us from Wall's End. And do remember 49216216. That's the number to get your question through to David for Gardening Talk back on to NURFM. Hello, Tim. Yeah, g'day, David. Um, just wanted to ask, uh, I've moved up from Victoria and bought a house in Wall's End recently. It's got a frangipani in it. And I've uh, never experienced these trees before. It didn't flower last year. I'm just wondering if there's anything I can do that'll make it flower better next year. Oh, okay. Well, normally with frangipanis, they do flower really well. We've got a lot of noise going on in your background there. Are you there, Tim? Yeah, sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, with frangipanis, we had a lot of trouble last year, and that was because of the lack of sun that we had during last year. Plus, we had lots of rainy days, which doesn't agree to frangipanis at all. So okay. normally they would be, normally they would um, flower, you know, religiously every year. So I don't think there's anything that you really need to do, except once we get to spring, you could just pop a really good complete fertilizer around underneath it. But that's about all you would need to do. Okay, no worries. And when's the best time to pick chilies? Because I've got some growing in a pot and there have gone a bit, some of them have gone mushy. Yep, because the chilies are not a winter thing. You'll All often right. find with chilies that they will go right back during the winter months, so you may as well pull those chilies off. Just yep. protect the plant. I mean, try not to overwater it during the winter months, and it should be able to be just trimmed back very, very lightly in the spring months, and it should shoot back to life for you. Thank you very much for your help. You're welcome, Tim. Bye for now. Tim, thank you, Tim, for your call. Uh, 49216216, we've got a line free for you right now if you'd like to put a question to David Peterson. Let me put a question about frangipanis. Should you really be cutting them back or are they... Okay. 
That's a good question, Jane. Uh, frangipanis don't need to be cut back. If it's a nice shape, you just leave them as they are. It's only if you feel you need to or you want to take some cuttings from it to probably give away to somebody else, you can trim them back at this time of the year. But look, certainly, if it's a nice shape, leave it as is because, I mean, frangipanis are not the fastest things we have in the garden. They're very steady-growing things, so we really need to let them mature. And certainly when you cut a branch off, be really, really careful that you're not spoiling the shape of the frangipani because remembering you're cutting years of growth off. Now for those people that have got frangipanis and they do want to give them away to people, great opportunity to do that during the winter months. You just cut sections off and then you throw it on the ground. You literally just throw it on the ground and that way all the sap flow dries up and say for example you leave it on the ground for about a month well, then you can give it to the people that you're wanting to give it away to and they can just plant it straight away and it will shoot away as normal. They're probably one of the most easiest things to actually take from cuttings frangipani because of that reason. Should we be putting them in fridges? No. No, no, you throw it on the ground, throw it underneath the um, original plant that, where you've got the frangipani growing, let it dry out for, as I said, about a month, and then you can plant it, give it away, and let them plant it in their new spot. Fantastic. And Robin is with us now, and Robin's rung in from Wanji on 49216216. That's the number for Gardening Talkback. Hello, Robin. Hi, how are you? Good. Um, I've got a back garden that's it's only about a year old. I've been given a lot of cuttings from very generous neighbours and so forth. But it looks um, really itsy and bitsy. It's like <laughs> one of everything. How do I make it so that it looks like it's got form, like it's got some depth to it? Well, look, certainly with a, a lot of gardens these days, people are multi-planting, which means that you don't just plant the one plant, particularly if you want to make a striking feature out of your garden. You plant three plants together in a little triangle, and then they all come up really beautiful, and that makes a fair good statement in the garden. Particularly if you've got more of a cottage garden, this is a great thing to do. When you say it looks bitsy, I mean, look, Certainly when you've got a lot of different things in the garden, and particularly if they're only fairly small, it may look a little bit bitsy, but I think certainly once they grow and they fill out, it probably won't look so bad. So, But as I said, if you wanted to make a statement in the garden, if, you, if you're planting things, they often look better if they're planted in multiples of odd numbers, not even numbers. I don't know for the reason why. In a why. row or a clump? In a clump, in a clump. In a clump. So in a triangle, so yep. to speak, and that's how you generally plant a clump of things and it gives a much better statement to the garden okay thank you very much thanks robin thanks robin well you're listening to gardening talkback at the moment and it being a talkback program (laughs) david peterson is very happy to talk to you and answer your questions about your garden and warren has rung in now from new lambton heights 49216216 hello warren hi david um i have an avocado which is self-seeded or grow, grow, mm-hmm. grew out of the compost and um, it's got to be a fair height. We pruned it about three years ago, probably is the wrong time, and got no fruit the following year. Um, and then the last year we had quite heavy rain and we got a little fruit of it, um, but uh, it was fairly rain damaged. The first year it fruited, it was very good. We must have got oh, well over 100. They were small but perfect fruit. And I'm wondering what to do this year to promote some flower growth and generally give it some TLC. Okay. Well, look, certainly, as I mentioned earlier in the program, we we didn't have a very good summer last year. And, of course, avocados being more of a tropical thing require good warm conditions. And, of course, avocados like it nice and dry as well, which, of course, we didn't have as well last year. So that's why a lot of our fruiting things didn't really function that well last year. But look, certainly, Warren, to prepare it for this year, it's a very, very good idea, probably later towards winter, just pop some citrus fertiliser around underneath it. And why we suggest citrus fertiliser is because it's actually a total fruit fertiliser. So we can use that on all fruiting things. So we just scatter that around underneath the tree. But also if you can combine it with a product called potash, because potash is a flower and fruit producer. So that's not always in citrus fertiliser. So you combine them both together, throw it around the base of the tree and make sure you water that in really, really well. And that in turn, of course, goes down into the tree and goes up through the system and hopefully gives you a much better crop for this season. So that's, that's probably something that you probably are best to try this year and see how it goes for you. So 
I should do that now? Yeah, look, certainly uh, probably mid towards late winter, it's a good idea to do that so it has a chance to get down into the um, system and get up through the stems to hopefully produce that flowers in the springtime. And you were talking about using liquid potash yeah. um, in the spring. We give it, give it some of that in another. Look, certainly you can. I mean, this this is this really can be used on anything at all. The liquid potash, particularly those things that you want to flower really well. And certainly, once we get into spring, yeah, it would be a good idea to actually combine it with that liquid potash as well. And you can do that every couple of weeks just by watering that around the root system of your avocado. Sounds good to me. All right. Okay, we look right. forward to avocados. Good luck, okay, Warren. Thanks, Warren. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks, Warren. Now, avocados, they um, take a long time to fruit, don't they? They do, and this is um, uh, particularly so with the seeds that people often plant. See, a lot of avocados these days are grafted, and that's when, of course, they produce fairly quickly when they're grafted. But when you've got them planted from seed, it sometimes will take up to about five or six years for them to actually even show any signs of flower or cropping. You've got to be a little bit patient, but certainly with avocados, they form a beautiful tree in the garden because they've got the most beautiful foliage. So some people even just grow them for that nice tree effect in the garden. So slow growing, slow fruiting, but attractive. <laughs> and Very. the fruit is fantastic. Oh, yes, yes. 49216216. We'll get your question through to David Peterson today in Gardening Talkback. And, of course, you might well get yourself into the draw, might even win a gardening walkback. That's right. Um, uh, which is, of course, David coming, looking at your garden, giving you advice. And you've got a whole hour, Jane, a, a whole, whole hour, hour of me just wandering around your garden. And I don't, I don't want people to be frightened of this and think that their garden has to be right up to scratch. I don't want to see an absolutely perfect garden because I don't think there is anything as just a perfect garden. Uh, I need to just walk around and look, there may be things there that I can see that you may not be able to see that may need doing or even something you may have a pest on your plant that you may not see yourself that I may be able to pick up. And vice versa, I want when I come out for you to have just some questions to ask me as well because that's what it's all about. You've actually got me for the whole hour and I can hopefully answer all of those questions just like I do here in the studio, only that I'm right there at the actual plant and looking at it for my very own self. And speaking about today, of course, if you ring in or yeah. when you ring in, you get yourself You do. You get chance. yourself in the draw for this wonderful little gift that I'm giving away today as well. So, yeah, there's the best of both worlds, gardening walkback and, of course, the gift from, from me at the end of the program. Gardening talkback. And, uh, what did for I just say? Hmm. Did I just say something different? No, I think you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sometimes I don't know what I say, Jane. Yes, but it's all good anyway, David. <laughs> so um, we do have Alan um, from Mayfield who's rung in. Hello, Alan. How are you going? Good, thank you. I just got a quick one. I have a um, black boy out in front of my place. Yes. Now, these spikes keep sprouting up on the top of it, and then they fall off with, like, thousands upon thousands of seeds. Yes. How can I successfully get another black boy out of these seeds? I've tried... Okay. and everything like that, but, uh, yeah, nothing happened. All right. Well, first of all, we call them grass trees these days, to be political correct. Politically correct. Yes. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> and secondly, only look, let's face it, with grass trees, they take hundreds of years to even reach some form of height. So to grow them from a seed, you're probably even going to wait 12 months for that seed to actually germinate, and that's going to germinate as probably a little thread it's just going to be a little thread like a little weed that may even be coming up out of the soil. And basically, that's the start of your grass tree. So that's why probably we don't grow them much from seeds or else you have them coming up in the wild from seeds. But it takes hundreds of years to get them up to a reasonable size. So, oh, I mean, yeah, this, one's over, this one's over my head and I'm five. Wow. Yes. Uh, well, that's 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 years and years old. So that's what I say. You're going to wait even 12 months for this seed to actually germinate. So you're going to have to watch it really, really carefully that you don't overwater it because remembering they like it very, very dry. But certainly you yeah. could try planting these seeds and just see what happens in 12 months' time. I've been trying for a couple of years <laughs> and just nothing pops up and I just thought there might have been some trick to it or... 
Well, no, yes. No promotions that you put into it, or not really. It's it's just a matter of time. That's all it really is, Alan. Just patience and time. No problem. All right. Thanks, thanks for your call, Alan. Thanks, Alan. And Norma ringing in now from Valentine. Hello, Norma. Hello, David. How are good. you? Good. That's good. Well, look, I've got a question. I'm very unhappy about my hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lovely display, you know, in the, in the warm weather, but. Oh, they grow very monstrous. So I cut them back pretty hard last February and, oh, they came on lovely and lovely and glossy green and all this rain, I'm just that unhappy about them. They're going yellow and all spotted on the leaves. They look rather bedraggled. Do you think it is too much rain? Because they love water. Well, they normally do love water, but, of course, during the wintertime, they always are sort of in a dormant period anyway, where even some people in some areas, they don't have any foliage left on the stems at all. So I wouldn't worry too much about that, Norma, because you'll find probably those leaves will even fall off. I know this year that they've suffered really badly with a uh, a fungal disease, um, and that's caused all the leaves to go a very powdery sort of look, and even to the fact where you've got some yellow leaves on them. So, look, I wouldn't worry too much about that. They will fall off. Have you pruned them back for this season yet? Uh, well, I pruned them back pretty hard last late February mm-hmm. because they were just growing too big and yep. they were covering my path. Yes. But I just feel, will I cut them back again? I mean, is it too late or...? It's not too late at all. I mean, look, certainly there's a there's always a mixed bag when it comes to hydrangeas. When is the best time yeah. to prune them back? Normally we would say March, which is a really good month to prune them back. Yeah, but yeah. certainly if you feel you need to prune them back a little at the moment, it's not going to be a problem as long as, no. of course, you've got those three node junctions on the very bottom of your plant yeah, yeah. Uh, so that that has a chance to shoot out. But certainly not because once we get to spring, they'll shoot out beautifully and they'll look as good as all ever right. again. All right, so do you think they need any? They're lacking some nutriment or with all this rain, I mean, it's leaching the grass, the soil. Or? That's a great point, yes, yeah. and certainly it's a good idea, particularly later in the winter months, to pop right. a really good complete fertiliser on them. And what I used to do to mine is put lots and lots of um, manure around them as well and they thrive oh, right. on it. Oh, mm. good. I've got a lot of uh, cow manure, great. so I'd love that. All right. And also... Being blue, I use copper, don't I, and yes. lime when I want the pink ones. That's exactly right. There's right. there's a product called Bluing Tonic that you can buy, yes. and as you say, the lime makes them pink. Yes, well, the Bluing Tonic, I have used that, and I'm not very impressed okay. with it. Okay, so tell me what you're using now. Uh, well, I was using the Bluing, and I'm, they weren't as blue as they used to be, right. so I thought, well, i better go over to some orange chalates or something like okay. that. Okay. And yes. do you find that helps them then in, in the yes, bluing? Yes, okay, that's interesting. So I just thought I'd, I'd just find out if I was doing the correct thing. Well, if it's working for you, Norma, yes, stay uh, with it. Yes, oh, well, <laughs> I, just, I absolutely love them because they're in a southerly aspect and they come on beautifully in the summer. And there's so, so many new varieties coming out yes, now yes, as well. So. That's right, exactly. All right. Thank you very much, David. Thanks, Norma. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, Norma. And Fred joins us from Redhead now. Hello, Fred. Hello, David. I uh, listen to the program and enjoy all the useful uh, information that you supply. Thank you very much. Um, what I bring about is a uh, bit of friends giving me a large piece of uh, pandanus. I think they also call them a screw pine. Yes. And I wanted to try and grow it. And it's, um, I didn't know whether you can grow it just from like a big cutting. It's cutting's probably as thick as a person's leg mm-hmm. and probably two or three foot long. Mm-hmm. And... Can you uh, can you grow a pandanus from a, a large cutting like that? Well, you possibly could. I mean, you don't see many pandanuses growing down this far because they're no. mostly grown up north. But certainly, it's worth a try. Not a really good season for probably trying to do that because we're in winter, so therefore it's much colder than they're even used to. Yeah. Uh, so, but certainly, if you've got the cutting, it's going to be worthwhile trying to grow it. What I would suggest that you do. You, are you thinking of putting it into the ground or into a pot? I mean, it sounds like it's very large to go into a pot anyway. Yeah, so the only reason I was thinking maybe a pot that I could move it to the warmest part of the 
yard and then at a later stage replant yeah. it somewhere. Well, if you are thinking of pot, which I think is probably a much better idea than trying to get it into the ground because at least in a pot, as you say, you can move it and it will warm up the pot, particularly if it's a black plastic pot, that will generate yep. the heat to the root system. If you can try and use a mixture, probably more of a cutting mixture, which is a fairly sandy sort of mixture. Now, you can buy this in bags. Yeah. Even if you mix some of the seed-raising mixture or the propagation mixture with a good potting mixture so that you've got a nice yep. lot of coarse sand in That's probably another good thing you need to yep. do. But you know, yes, certainly. Any uh, like uh, striking? No, you wouldn't. Or? You wouldn't need to for that, and particularly at this time of the year, you wouldn't need to use any yeah. any hormone powder. And would you let it dry out like you would say a frangipani, for example? To the extent where you're not letting it dry out for any length of time, because it needs a little bit of moisture there all the time, but not too much moisture, because obviously that's going to rot it off. So yes, yep. between between the moisture, you're just going to have to gauge that for yourself. Don't let it dry out to the state where it's bone dry. Yep. Uh, just keep it at a, just a slightly moist sort of consistency. And you're listening to Gardening Talk Back and the number for your question, 49216216 to speak to David today. Helen has rung in from Madawi. Hello, Helen. Hello, how are you? Good. That's good. Um, I've got a couple of questions. Yes. Uh, one was referring to the um, lady with the hydrangeas and you told her she could prune them. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at mine. They've got green, big green shoots all over them Already? and I haven't pruned them yet. Is that okay <laughs> to still prune them? Well, look, certainly with, with hydrangeas, they sh- particularly in your area, they should look really unhappy and sad. Oh, and... <laughs> they really do. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's good that they do. They're, they're looking really bad at the moment. They haven't got one leaf on them. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so can you still prune them, though, when they've got all these big shoots? Or yes, you know? yes, you can. Yes, I mean, okay. certainly cut all those long, stringy bits down yes, so you're okay. actually cutting into fairly strong wood, and that yes. way they, when they start to regrow again, they will send up nice, strong growths for you. Oh, but okay. making sure the old little trick is that you leave three of those leaf nodes, and they're those little things that you can see on the stems that look like little buds, Yes. You make sure you leave three lots three. of those in on the stem, going up the stem at a yes. time so that they shoot out of those. Okay, wonderful. All right. Now, the main reason I rang was about my poor gardenias. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trying to do something about them for quite a few years. They're those gardenias with the extra big flowers on them, yes. and um, they still have nice flowers, but they've got so many problems, and I, I want... I've, I've had to cut the middle right out of them because they all rotted away, but I'm looking at them at the moment and um, they've, they've got yellowy leaves, they've got, obviously they've got some of that um, mildew on them, but they, some of the leaves are really small and curly and, and look deformed as well and they've got black on them. Okay. <laughs> They're very ill. It sounds very much like they are, yes. <laughs> look, look, certainly I would suggest that once we get into spring, probably not much you can really do at this time of the right. year, but in spring you can give them a very, very good hard prune back because that's going to cut a lot of those, that pests and diseased areas yeah. away. You may even have to prune them back to the fact where you may not have any foliage still left mm. on the plant, which is not mm. going to be a problem for gardenias because mm. they will reshoot out of fairly yeah. old wood. I actually did that last year with them. I cut them right back, but they still have the same problems. Okay. Well, we need to probably work on the soil as well because with gardenias, they love cow manure. That's one thing that they do thrive on. So even you could try and do that at this time of the year, get a good layer of cow manure around Mm -hmm. underneath the gardenias Mm -hmm. and wait until spring and then prune them back very, very severely and then feed them up with a good organic fertiliser like one of your pelleted manures. And that way that'll break down and work down into the soil. Right. Now make organic sure... Organic life on that? Yeah, organic, organic life, life is mm. tremendous. And I must stress that, uh, unfortunately, uh, you may not hear me mention organic life too much longer because our main supplier of that has... Um, discontinued so oh. I've got to find another source and I've got to find something as good as what I as organic life which I'm, I'm going to speak to somebody this afternoon so everyone out there are probably all as aghast by me saying that because I've raved about organic life for so many years and I do thoroughly recommend it but I will have something else to recommend oh, to you. Okay good okay so that, that's those and the last thing is something that I've always been meaning to ring you about and that's snails. Yes. What's your magic? 
um, <laughs> solution for stuff. I've tried everything. I'm sick and tired of them. They, I find little baby ones all over my basil, and I find a plant and it's eaten. And I've got all these different sorts. Of, I've got the um, the one that's child friendly and pet friendly, and mm. I've tried them all, and I just can't keep up with them. We get thousands out here. <laughs> <laughs> look, look. Certainly, um, with snails, we shouldn't have much of a problem at this time of the year because they are in their dormant state. Thank mm. goodness throughout the winter months. But look, I do like the basil. The basil is probably the most effective. It is a chemical, so we mm. have to be careful of that. But mm. it is the most powerful. Look, okay. certainly with most of the basil, that's little pellets, and two pellets is enough to cover the area of the box that you actually buy it in. So that's how concentrated it is. But as I said, it is a chemical, so you have to be careful. Good little trick is if you've got animals, get yourself a, just a, a length of PVC piping, and that could be about 18 inches in old terms in length, and pop your basil right up in the centre of that PVC piping. The snail's going to actually crawl into it, but of course the dogs and cats can't get their noses into it. So that's always a good idea, and place that in amongst your shrubs and things, and of course that will also trap the snails, but not uh, harm your animals. Oh, that's a, that's a great idea. Yeah. I'll do that. That basil, it, it's a, It's, it's a the pellet. most effective, yes. and it is okay. the strongest out of all of the snail right. baits. Yeah, I thought there might be some natural thing. I've t- tried coffee grounds. Yeah, and, I've heard of that. But yeah. probably the chemical, particularly when you've got so many, is probably the way to go for okay. you. Righty-o, thank you very much. Thanks, Helen. Thanks, Helen. And Shirley is with us now from Mamong Point. Hello, Shirley. Hello, David. Uh, I know that gerberas needs, the crown needs to be above the... Yes. But mine have sunk down. Oh, yes. And I'm wondering, can I lift them, please? You can certainly lift them. Now, there's t- uh, two times during the year that we can actually do this. Uh, we're coming up to that period, which is spring, and the other time is autumn. So if we can, Shirley, just persevere with them. If you can scratch a little bit of soil away from the crown, if you possibly can in the meantime. So, Okay, that's good. But certainly in spring, you could lift them successfully, cut all the flowers off, of course, to do this. And then you may just have to do a little bit of trimming of the foliage to compensate for what you're going to damage in the roots system but yeah wait until about september pop that on your calendar and that would be a good month to try and do that and do i dig them right out or i just if you can, you probably may be successful in just getting your spade underneath them and lifting them up and trying filling in that area underneath with the mm. saw by pushing it back down into that hole. And you may be successful doing it that way rather than damaging your gerberas too much. They're not doing very well. The reason We've that had horrible weather too, Shirley. Yes, they've, they've got yeah, mold yeah, yes. anyway, and the snails have attacked them too. Yes. So I'm just working out there now. Now, they don't do really well because they're on a, along a driveway mm. that's meant, and then they've got the metal fence behind them. I see. So I don't have much success with them, but I love them. Oh, they're beautiful if you can so, get them to grow successfully. Yes, so now, are there other... I get flowers a bit sort of thing, but it's not like I want. Are there other, other, some other tips that are going to make them do better. Well look certainly the only tip is a good sunny position and protected position out of the hot westerly winds which often affect them really badly but I've seen them growing in the most barrenest places that you know people don't even water and they still thrive so this is the little trick with gerberas well drained soil and nice and warm but protected and look the only thing other than that is that you can use this the um, the liquid potash which you dilute down and water around them every couple of weeks and that certainly will help promote your flowers as well. All right, then. Well, okay. thank you very much for those tips. You're welcome, Shirley. Thanks, Shirley. And Jane joins us from Islington. Hello, Jane. Hi, David. I don't know if you remember me or not. I rang a couple of months ago about my flame tree that right. seems to be the bane of my whole <laughs> <laughs> existence at the moment. Um, I rang before because uh, we had a caterpillar or a moth in it that was laying eggs and, mm-hmm. and killing it off. And I did what you told me to do and I um, got it cut back. Unfortunately, I still have that problem. But now with all this wet weather, I'm not too sure if it's a tree or not. You know, the pods, do they sort of drop? It's, it's like a jellyfish on my pavement. Is that coming from the tree? It's really weird. No. Like a fungus? Well... Uh, well, once again, I'd, I'd probably have to see this jelly stuff. So what, what's, where's the jelly coming from, do you think? I don't know, but it's, I mean, it's around the parameter of the tree and after really heavy rain, it just sort of 
drops on my pavement and it's okay. very slippery and oh. I have to kind of... It's like someone's dropped a jellyfish on my pavement and I don't know if it's coming from the tree or not, but I don't know where else it could be coming from because it's only around the vicinity yes. of the tree. It sounds very, very unusual. I mean, normally I wouldn't think that they would drop, drop anything like that. Sometimes when we get jelly like that, it's, it's always a form of, a, you know, the water storing crystals that you often add to potting mixture or soil or things like that. When we get a lot of rain, it actually goes to this really jelly sort of substance. So you haven't used any of that of late in the garden no i haven't Hmm, interesting no well i I really don't i mean probably some photographs would help if you can take some snaps and um get them to me Um, you can email me at work you just need to um to just phone work and just get my email address and you can and and send them to me and that way i can have a look at them and see whether i can work it out from there yeah thank you look another quick question while i've got you um i have pebbles on my lawn and i get a lot of weeds coming up through that Mm -hmm. now i've got two cats and a dog and i'm a little bit worried about putting weed killer on there but nothing else seems to be working okay well look certainly if you've got animals and cats one good little tip that i often have people phone through in that's just to pour boiling water over it and that will actually scorch it and often kill it depending on what it is what sort of weeds or grass or whatever i mean other than that there is only just some glyphosate products remembering with glypho it just doesn't affect the soil but it actually just kills whatever you get it onto but you would have to keep the animals off that until it actually dries okay so as long as i can keep them off until it dries yeah, that's be right after that that's so right be only a couple of hours yeah well i mean depending on the weather conditions um but mm. certainly during the summertime yeah it would be only a couple of hours you need to just keep them off till it dries and gets into the actual foliage that's all you need excellent thank you david thanks You're a lot and I'll, I'll, I'll try and send those photos that'll be great jane thank you okay bye thank you jane you're listening to gardening talk back and we'll be david will be here after the one o'clock news which is just a minute or two two minutes away it's our local news and uh, uh with karen thomas and uh david just before we go to the news I'm sure you'll be happy for a little breather. <laughs> but pruning, um, is there a quick answer? Should we have everything in the garden pruned at this moment? No. We shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is, this is always a funny one because, I mean, we prune at so many different times of the year. I think the main point that I often suggest is pruning during this time of the year, yes, a lot of deciduous things, but remembering things that actually flower that are deciduous early spring, we do not prune this time of the year. We wait until they have actually finished flowering and then we prune. So just as an example, we've got things like our white maid that flowers during the springtime. We've got all our beautiful magnolias that flower in springtime. We do not touch those at this time of the year. We let those flower and then we actually prune them straight after flowering. But almost everything else we actually can prune at this time of the year if it is deciduous. And David Peterson back with us again. Gardening Talkback, 49216216 to get your question to David today. Let's start off with Denise who's rung in from Karua. Hello, Denise. Oh, good afternoon, David. David, I've got a height of range I'd like to move. When is the best time and is it wise to move them? It's yes. only a small one. Yeah, look, it certainly is. I mean, it's a great time of the year to be doing that now because they're fairly dormant at this time of the year. It's got little flowers on it. Already? Yes. What? Yes. <laughs> it's really right out of season because it, it, it shouldn't flower until October at least. No, so. yeah. But look, certainly if you wanted to take uh, use of those flowers, Denise, before you move it, yeah, right. do that. And then when they're finished, trim them off and then move it then because it should really be in its dormant state at this time of it the year. It should be. Yes, it's yes. got nice green leaves. It's wow. So well, that's I contrary. can't move it now, you, you reckon? Well, I, I, I would certainly take advantage of the flowers first and then move it before we get into the spring where it will shoot away very very quickly lovely all right thank you thanks denise thank you bye gardening talk back and we're moving now to minmai with steve hello steve Uh, good day david beautiful day it is a glorious day yes uh, my question is uh, about uh, bamboo in the yard. Uh, yes. I just want to know if that's allowable or not or how to identify it to make sure it is bamboo. 
Well, look, certainly bamboo is allowed. It is actually a plant. I mean, these days there are things that are called clumping bamboos, which basically don't run like the old bamboo. I mean, we don't normally plant the old running bamboo because it takes over everything. But with the new clumping bamboos, there's a whole range of those which are able to be planted in the garden. Right. I'm not saying it's illegal to plant the running bamboo, but certainly these days it would be really foolish of somebody to plant a running bamboo because they just get out of control very, very quickly. The only way you can identify it is, of course, by uh, getting that identified by like someone like myself, which you'll just take a sample to a garden centre and get it identified first. Okay, well I have got it presently growing in my yard, it's been here for about 20 years, mm -hmm. but it's been in a large metal pot, Right. and now the pot's rusted away and now it's shooting up out of the ground around okay. it, Right. and it stands about sort of 12 foot high, and I know it came from the Gressford River up in the Hunter Valley. Okay, well that would be the old existing uh, running bamboo, which I would strongly suggest that you do not plant it in the ground because it will just go berserk, and you'll have it coming up everywhere. It's starting now, so I'm going to have to cut that down and destroy it by the sounds of it. You probably will have to, because otherwise you'll have never-ending problems from it. All right, well, it's just starting to shoot out of the ground. Like There's a dozen shoots in about a, in about a metre area around it coming okay. through. All right. Okay, that's not a problem. Secondly, real quick, I've got the Mariah mock oranges out the front, and a couple of, about, about 15 of them, and there's a couple of them starting to die now. And I just I talked to him about them before, and you said to put a clay breaker into the, into the ground mm -hmm. because of the build-up of moisture on top of the clay bed. And I was just wondering, is that safe to do that now in winter? It certainly is, because the um, the groundbreaker can be used 12 months of the year, so it, uh, it will just continually work on that hard ground for you. All right, I was over Bunnings. You can buy it in a, in a, in a, in a liquid form? Yeah, you've always been able to buy the, the gypsum in a liquid form. It's just called groundbreaker. Right. Uh, and certainly we carry both of those products. Okay, so it's safe enough to put a pitchfork in the ground and water it in? certainly is, yes. Because it's probably got too much water in it now because there's a lot of yellow leaves and all dropping on the ground. Okay, well, certainly also to that, Steve, I would suggest that you actually lime around the marais as well because quite often the soil tends to become very sour. So you could actually dust the ground with garden lime right along your marais hedge and you'll find that in itself will put a little bit of green uh, growth back into the marais as well. And do you water that lime in? Uh, well, you can water it in. Otherwise, you just wait for, for um, natural... Rain. Yeah, that's right. All right, then. Thanks, David. You're welcome. Thanks, Steve. And we're going to Morissette now with Merle. Hello, Merle. Hello, David. I have, was given a Christmas bell uh, plant two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. Now, it's still alive and looks all right. Congratulations. It doesn't flower. <laughs> what, well, should I give it fruit and flower, or is that not... No, it'll, it'll, it'll kill it. Look, with, with the Christmas bells, you basically leave them right alone because I would never suggest to put any fertiliser on them because they, they, they really are just grown out in the bush naturally. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So the moment you go putting any chemical fertilisers or things like that on it, it will probably just set it back even further. I mean, that, that's why I said congratulations because, I mean, they're not the easiest things to grow, but just let nature take its course. Well, it we made them wild in our yes, backyard. Yes. And I mean, I've, I've also been told too, it takes several years for just a little plant to flower anyway. So oh, well. probably just um, a little bit more patience. Be patient. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, all right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Merle. Bye-bye. Thanks, Merle. You're listening to Gardening Talkback and we're very happy to take your calls. David's with us until half past one today, 49216216. And we don't have to wait too long to talk to David Peterson because he is right here at his Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Werner's rung in from Glendale with a question for David. Hello, Werner. Hello, good afternoon, Jane and David. What's your question then, <laughs> Werner? Okay, my passion fruit is still producing fruit, David. Well done. Yeah. Is it because I listen to you? Because every time we had a lot of rain, every so often I'd give it the fungicide. And then I'd put the pot ash on it. Good. Well, that's excellent news because obviously that's why it's continuing uh, production, producing the fruit because the more potash you use on it, are you using the liquid or the granulated one, Werner? 
No, I'm using the, for my firebox. Excellent, very good. So you're not wasting it. Um, people are finally starting to listen to me. So, I mean, you, that's probably because you're using that as well. I mean, look, certainly with, um, particularly in your area, normally things like passion fruit would actually slow down and even the fruit will just hang there until next season. But that's great that you're using that. Keep up that good work. Remembering in springtime, you can give it a good prune back and you'll get all that new wonderful growth, which will be your new flowering wood for that oncoming season. Well, actually, it's starting to have new shoots on it already. <laughs> right. Well, you'll just persevere with that until spring, and then you'll just give it a prune back again, and that will produce even better new growth for you. The, David, the difference between the potash out of the firebox and the potash that you buy, what's the difference? Uh, well, one's probably a chemical, whereas you're just using the natural potash. Okay. So, I mean, basically, they're all going to do the same sort of thing for you. But that's why I say you never waste the ash out of your fire because you should be putting that onto your garden and not wasting it. Yeah, it's helped with the lime tree, the orange yep. trees. And it the certainly will. Anything that's fruiting particularly, it's, yeah. it's beneficial that you just keep adding that to your ground. Uh, it's great to have you call, Werner, and your question. And we'll move to Carleen right now from Kurenbong. Hello, Carleen. Hi, how are you, David? Good, thank you. Um, just a couple of questions. Um, we have a jacaranda in our front yard that used to have um, agapanthus built up all around the, the bottom of it, and mm. it's got collar rot. Right. Now, we've taken all the aggies out, um, lowered the soil down as much as we can, and we've given it some fertiliser, liquid fertiliser, but is there anything we can do to try and save it? Because it's a beautiful tree. Okay. Well, certainly with Colorot, there's there's more than just cleaning the area away from the base. If you can try and get a very, very sharp implement and then mm -hmm. just um, scratch all the rotten material off the base of the tree and you've got to get it all off, you can't leave any there because that still contains the fungal disease. So you once you've... the bark of the tree? Yes, anything that's soft and yucky, you need to okay. get away from the tree because that's still harbouring all that disease. So you need to scrape that away very, very carefully and then you need to paint it straight away. You can't leave it for any any long length of time. When I say a long mm -hmm. length, you can't leave it to do the day after or the day after that. You've got to do it on the same day. You've got to paint it with a tree wound dressing, which you can buy in your garden centre. Yep, and that okay. then needs to be painted onto that exposed area that you've actually scraped away. That's just like putting a, a, just a sealant or a, a skin on the tree so that no pests and diseases actually get into that area. And eventually you'll find that the bark will recover that area. It will be a very slow process but certainly that's the thing you really need to do fairly quickly okay i think the previous owners have done that because it did look lovely when the when the agapanthus were out in flower underneath mm -hmm. it but um it's it was right it was they actually grow, the roots were growing into the trunk of the tree oh okay right mm. okay all right we'll see if you can get control of that fairly quickly before we get into the um the spring months where it should take off a little mm -hmm. better than what it's probably been doing at the moment. Okay, and can I just ask, um, in another part of the garden we've got um, hydrangeas, mm -hmm. and we, I have found um, cleaning out the garden beds, because there was not much work done in the garden for quite a few years, I don't think, I have probably pulled out about 50 nails. Okay, right. So is there something to, <laughs> like... I'm assuming it was maybe... Um, it's, the iron it's the iron content in the uh, nails. And this is why some people often in the olden days would hammer nails into trees because that gives them a boost of iron into the tree. It's oh, not a, okay. It's not a procedure that's done fairly readily these days because we actually substitute for the iron nails by mm -hmm. using iron shelates. Okay, all right. I, I wondered if it was like an old, an old is, sort yes. of thing that they used to do. <laughs> all, right. all right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Carleen. Bye-bye. And that was Carleen from Kurenbong. Um, we do have time for just one more call or two more calls, maybe, if it's a quick one, before half past one this afternoon. And if I'm in luck, this might be Jeanette from Greta. Is that Jeanette? Yes, it is. Hello, uh, Jeanette. How are you, David? Good, thank you. I've just got a little problem my husband likes to solve. He's the one who's interested in it. We have a little callistamon, and it's not a very nice shape. 
and he'd like to know, can it be pruned a little bit more than just lightly pruned? Yes, it can be. And I hope oh. uh, whoever's won the argument... Oh, well, can... I said no, and he said he has to because it's really about right. shape. Just remembering that whenever you cut uh, bottle brushes, you can actually cut them back very, very severely to the fact where they may not have any foliage left on the tree. But remembering if you do prune it back that severely, it will take a little more time to come back to life. Now, you wouldn't certainly do that at this time of the year. You would wait until springtime, and then you would give it a very, very good hard prune if needs be, and it will spring back to life as quick as ever. Springtime, because yes. at the minute it's just a stick. There's yep. nothing there. Oh, okay. What well, you've got? Uh, no foliage or anything no, on it? No, not a thing. No, okay. nothing. That's because unusual. It, it, he attacked it before. Oh, okay. And oh. I didn't get to you first. So oh, okay. It's, it's just a very awful looking nothing with three little things coming out, but no shape much yeah, at all. Yeah, no, well, you probably need to just do another prune in spring, and then it should shoot away nicely for you. Oh, thank you very much. All right, that. Jeanette. Thanks for your call, Jeanette. And Ken from Oakhampton has rung in. Hello, Ken. G'day, David. How are you going? Good, thank you. Um, you the, the lady that rang up a while ago about snails and yes. uh, the problem, and she was saying about something that was natural. Yes. Um, we, we, we've had, we haven't had snails for many, many years because we keep um, we used to keep a, um, a duck in the backyard. A, a, a duck, did yeah, you say? Duck. Yeah. Yes, I know yeah. that they love snails. <laughs> oh, they just, yeah, and... Um, They've cleaned up our... Uh, we don't have any, any snails at all. I just thought I'd mention that. No, that's a, that's a great idea. As long as you can actually put up with the remains that they leave behind constantly. Well, so. you've got to go out there every morning and, um, <laughs> and hose it in and hose it in and it becomes a very good fertiliser for the lawn. Well, it so. certainly does, so that solves that problem, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does, yeah. All right, have thank you. Good, have a good day. Thanks, Ken. Bye for now. Bye. And our last call of four today on 2NURFM... Hello, can I ask your name? Uh, Mark. Hello, Mark. How are you? Good, mate. Good. Uh, yeah, you were asking for quick calls. Yes. Um, and I'd love to go into the draw for the walkthrough with you. So. <laughs> what can I do for you? Mate, uh, oh, well, that's just basically my call. I've got an old federation <laughs> house I've, I've called before and uh, I've made a lot of mistakes over times and I need somebody to come through and unemotional say, chop this out, chop this out, plant this, plant this. Okay, then. Well, that's great, Mark. You'll certainly be put into the draw if you've given your particulars to Diane. Great. All right. right. Thanks for your call, Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Bye. Mark. <laughs> Bye. And that brings us almost to it the does. end of Gardening yes. Talk back today, David. So we've got a winner, have we, we for do. our I'll just run through this today. gift first of all, and it consists of this beautiful ceanothus called Blue Pacific. It's a nice little shrub that can just go into a nice sunny position in your garden somewhere. We've got a container of the EcoGuard. Of course, that's the natural tonic spray, which keeps things nice and healthy so to stop those pests and diseases from getting onto them. And a container of the Quick Start. This is the garden fertiliser that we can pop around on the garden or even in our pot plants. So I'm going to give it to Diane today. Now, Diane rang us from Jules. She had the problem with the storm water drain. So, Diane, all you need to do is just make your way to Walls End Community Nurseries. That's on the corner of Crowders and Lake Road Walls End. One condition is try and get in before next Monday's program where I will have a brand new gift to give away next Monday. And, of course, you will be back next Monday. I will be back next Monday, Jane, but that will be my last one because I'm going on a couple of weeks' break. So I'll have um, Mal filling in for me while I'm away. But yes, I'll be here next Monday, so I'll see not you, Jane, but I hopefully will see Phil. Yes, we hope and, Phil will um, be back. Good gardening, everyone. Yes, and gardening talk back. Of course, we can't do without it for a week or two, not even when David's away, so Mal will be in. On to a new RFM, it is half past one.